This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Stipper Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Welcome to a Cult Heroes episode of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. For this episode, I'm delighted to welcome uh, to the podcast a man who sits in eighth place in the Huddersfield Town all-time appearance record table with 330. 93 appearances for the club. He stands in 26th in the all-time Huddersfield Town top goalscorer charts with 48 goals. He's won a fourth division medal uh, and he's also been promoted from Division 3 as well. And he was described by Steve Kinden as a teammate's delight. He is, of course, the man who put the ball in the bastard's net. It's David Cowlin. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, Matt. Really good to see you. Very good. Um, I thought what we could do is we could just have a little walk down memory lane and we could start right from the, the very beginning of uh, of you getting into football, really. Sort of 99% of kids these days. So I think anybody under 30 probably thinks everyone comes through an academy, don't they, uh, You know, in, yeah. in terms of football. Yeah. And then they just kind of like get themselves. But there are a lot of interesting stories from players from before that, which, you know, and it's always interesting to find out the journey that, People took, you know, how to how they got into football and how they got signed. So I'm just wondering if you could start there, really. I didn't go through a, an academy or anything like that when uh, when I was that age. Uh, there were no such things as academies. Then you were just apprentices. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me go on trial to clubs until I was 15. Uh, they wanted me to finish my education, and I played for I played in my local Sunday League side. Um, and we ended up playing a game against Mansfield Town's youth team. And after the game, I was asked to go back for a trial. Uh, I went back for the trial, did well in that, and they asked me uh, to sign. And that's what that was my first club, Mansfield Town. So I signed as an apprentice at Mansfield Town. And then <laughs> I did two years as an apprentice at Mansfield Town, went to the England youth trials and everything, thought I was going to get a contract. And I was informed by the manager that I wasn't getting one. Uh, he then changed his mind. And that, this is uh, Peter Morris was the manager at the time. 
he then changed his mind and had a contract from, I think it was from November through to the end of the season. And at the end of that season, again, he, he released me again. So I'm probably the only footballer in the world that's released twice from the same club in one year. So uh, from there, then I didn't really have anything else. I mean, at the time, Mick Buxton had been at Mansfield. John Asledon were at Mansfield when I first went there. And as it happened, John was the manager uh, was managing at Huddersfield at the time, and I wrote to him, and he asked me to come in on trial. So I went in on trial, and that's how it started. So it was John actually who took me to the club. So that's how my career started as a professional footballer. So you got signed by a town. You, you obviously worked with some interesting characters, didn't you, Leah? Uh, I just feel there's, you've been doing your research into that particular era, haven't you? Yeah, uh, Tom. Obviously. Um... Don Asledon was was there when you when you came in, and then he sort of got moved back to coach after a few months. Yeah, that's right. And then Tom Johnson took over, and um, obviously you, you never played under Tom Johnson. I don't think. I think it was Mick Buxton no, that gave you in, your I, debut. Yeah, no, I played under. Uh, I didn't play under Tom. I was on trial when Tom was there, and actually, Tom actually gave me my first contract. Um, and he, but I think he only signed me because John Asselden had put him under a lot of pressure to sign me, um, because John had wanted had said he'd wanted to sign me while he was manager, and then uh, he, John pulled me in one day and said, "Look, you know, if you don't get a contract here, I'll sort you out at Sheffield Wednesday." So uh, that's how it happened. I ended up going to see Tom uh, after being on trial for about two months or so. And he said, yeah, we're going to give you a contract. And that's when, that's when I got my first contract with the club. What, so the 77-78 season was probably the first one you were there, Dave. And I don't think you, you played much during that season. And there was a bit of a, probably not the best from, from the club at that point. It was, I think we just, at, you know, we could still remember the first division days of beating, you know, Manchester United. And yeah. we didn't beat Man United, but we beat Leeds, didn't we, in Arsenal. Uh, and then in walks a man. Mick Buxton, I think, initially starting as uh, as physio, didn't he? And Town found themselves really sort of low the next season um, in Division 4. And then Mick yeah. Buxton got got the job. How did Mick Buxton go about changing everything uh-huh. at Huddersfield Town? Because it, it's it's some rise, isn't it, once, uh, once Mick Buxton takes the permanent job? The, the change was virtually immediate. Because um, I'd known Mick at, at, at Mansfield, and like I said, I worked under him for a year at Mansfield before he went to South End. And Mick was a hard taskmaster. Uh, I mean, very, very strict, very uh, organised. Uh, and the lads were saying to me, what's it like? And I said, you won't like it, I'll tell you now. You won't like it, but you'll be successful. And he came in, I mean, we used to have a snooker. I mean, you probably heard the stories of the snooker table and everything that used to be in. I mean, uh, the lads used to come in and training used to get held up because they were still playing the competition on the snooker table and Tom would be one of them. You know, and you'd go down to training ground for 10 o'clock and Tom and them would turn up at about quarter to 11 and, you know, they, they decided they were in semi-final at snooker competition. Uh, it was ridiculous, to be honest. And then Mick came in and I always remember I went in the following day after I'd been manager and the snooker table had disappeared. It'd gone completely. He'd got rid of it. So that was the first thing he did, I think, at the club, was to get rid of the snooker table. And you had to be at training for 10 o'clock and everything were, was, was, you know, there were a discipline brought in that wasn't there before, I'll put it that way. Very lax before and 
And I think that's, to be honest, I think that cost Tom in the end. I mean, what Mick Buxton did work, didn't it? Because Town were, you know, looking in at you know, the bottom areas, weren't they, when he got the job. And then all of a sudden, there's a strong finish to that sort of, you know, that season and Town finished ninth. And it kind of set you up really well, didn't it, for the, the next season? Because the the team itself had been pretty much put together by, you know, Sean Hasledon and, and Tom Johnson, yeah. hadn't it? The majority yeah. were already in the building. But yeah. oh, what yeah, Mick I mean, brought in, it seems yeah. to have set everything up. Well, it, I mean, I mean, I, I remember things, you know, like you, you'd be down, when Tom was in charge, you'd be down at training. And Tom used to come down in his tracksuit and his shoes and uh, try and take training. And he'd like to be showing us how to throw the ball in and stuff like that, you know, like, we were professional footballers, Tom. And, I mean, you had some strong characters at that time as well. I mean, Steve Baines, people like that. Kevin Johnson, who I, whose place I took. Uh, you had some strong characters in there. And I think Tom found it difficult to deal with that. But as soon as Mick came in, that just changed completely. Uh, there, were, there were an organisation to what we did. Everything was organised down to the last thing. And uh, like I said, it was just completely different. And it was hard work. I mean, I can remember, you know, in that first season, even then, when we finished, I think, like you say, about nine. In that first season, uh, we'd be working till four o'clock on an afternoon in the tr- on the training ground. And don't forget, these were lads that we used to being finished at half past twelve and gone home and in the pub. You know, it would it just it was just a complete and utter change, unbelievable. And then you've got this. This tell us about this team. Then this um, this seventy nine eighty team because we've been in the doldrums for doldrums for seven years, and all of a sudden there's this exciting, free flowing attacking team. There's you on the left flank, and you've got a partnership, haven't you? There with Freddie Robinson as well, and you've yeah. got a couple of strikers in the boxer, Ian Robbins in particular, to aim yeah. for. Just yeah, tell us about you know the, the partnerships you had in that team and how exciting it was to play in. It actually really started to gel the season before. Uh, we had a system that we played, which was we pressed them very high and very early, and everybody knew the role. Um, when we started the following, the next season, 79-80, I think everybody thought, well, you know, we're in with a chance here because we're organised. We knew what the, what we wanted to do. I mean, you had likes of... Uh, who had been Alan Starlin in goal, who was just absolutely fantastic character in the dressing room. You know, I can remember sitting at half time and he's having a fag in the dressing room at half time while Mick Buxton's doing his chat. Uh, but Andy Rankin used to be the same, he used to have a fag as well. And, uh, you know, it, we had Mally Brown at the time, Dave Sutton, Keith Anvey, Fred, who, uh, to be fair, I mean, Fred made life very easy for me because I didn't have to do a great deal of tackling and stuff like that, which wasn't my forte at the time, I'll be honest, and which the fans used to let me know about, to be fair. Uh, and then we had Mick Laverick, uh, Peter Hart, then uh, Brian, and then up front you had Ian Robbins and Fletch. And I always felt sorry for Fletch because I thought Fletch uh, never got the credit he deserved. Fletch is the best striker I've ever played with in, in the sense of you could knock a ball into Fletch and it didn't matter where it went, he would hold it up and he'd, play, he'd bring it back into the game. And he, he was unbelievable. It didn't matter if you threw it into his head, his chest, anywhere. 
And Fletch was absolutely fantastic. And to be fair, I don't think Fletch gets anywhere near the credit he should get because, I mean, he really did help us, you know, if we because we used to play, sometimes we play long from the back, well, quite a lot of the time, you know, and, and it was hard work for Fletch and Ian Robbins to hold it up until we got there and joined in again. And people, like I say, I, I sometimes feel sorry for Fletch because I don't think he gets the the praise he should get because he was an, he was the best striker I've ever played with in in respect of being able to play it into him and just knowing he'd get it back. Um, but and Robbo was just a total different animal. Robbo, we used to just think outside the box, don't bother giving it ball because he'll he'll not bother with it. But in the box, giving the ball, and you just it, like, sometimes you just think you might as well turn around because you know where it's going, and it would just. He'd find an angle somewhere and put it in the and put it in the goal. So, you know, from that sense, you're not setting off on a bad foot, are you? Really, we've got two probably the best centre halves in the in that league in Sutty, who, who were younger then, uh, obviously, and Keith Anvey. You had Mally Brown, probably the best fullback outside the first division, and then it, you had Brian Stanley, who was very much well, could do anything with both feet. You had Peter Hart, who would... I mean, I tell you, I always tell a story about this. The one about Vinnie Jones being a, an hard man. I saw Peter Hart smash him all over the pitch at uh, Plough Lane. We played him at Plough Lane. And my God, it, it was frightening. And then you had Mick Laverick, who, would, to, to be honest, was just a fantastic midfield player from my point of view because I didn't even have to look up. I always knew where Mick could be. He'd just be inside me all the time. I just used to knock it off and go again. And so it made life easy for me, to be honest. And Fred just used to kick everybody. So it didn't really matter. It sounds like a great mix, though, doesn't it? That you've got, you've got also, it takes all sorts to make a, a team, but doesn't it? That's the genius of Mick Buxton. That is the genius of Mick Buxton. He knew what he wanted in his team and he knew the mix that he needed. And I don't think Mick, Mick ever bought a player without seeing him and I don't think he ever bought a player without, without seeing them warm up before games that were his big thing he used to say you know I'll go and watch them warm up and see what they're like if they're fannying around and they're messing about then you know I'm not interested um, but he brought in in that in that period like I mean he brought in Brian Stanton Robbo frightening frighteningly good players I was going to say it was the mentality when you look at obviously I I, I wasn't lucky enough to see see it, but I've seen a lot of video, and they, they seem like a really mental. It seems like a really mentally tough team. And you look at the the fixtures and the results, and some of the big games. You know, you look back at. Uh, I was watching the highlights from Lincoln when you played Lincoln at home, yeah. uh, and it was three two, and that game was back and forth, back and forth, yeah, yeah, and the mental game. strength to come through. And then the Walsall game was pretty much the only game you didn't win in the last, you know, the ten games yeah. before the end of the season. There's some big games there, and and it was that sort of mental strength which seemed to always seem to sort of help you win out in the end by the looks of it. Well, when you're doing like eight-mile cross-countries, then you, you do get a mental strength. And I tell you, you soon <laughs> learn to have one um, because the training was brutal. Uh, and, and I mean brutal. It was hard work every day, uh, apart from Fridays. I didn't mind Fridays. and uh, But it paid off for us. And that's, that. you know, so in the end, you've got to say he was right. We, you know, we used to say sometimes, the saying that everybody used to come out with was, it's a bloody athletics club, this. It's not a football club. It's an athletics club because we, we did used to do a lot hard physical training. But if you look at the games that we won in the last 15 minutes, you know, where we'd score late goals 
And that were only down to one thing, and that was because we were fitter than anybody else in that league. And I think that's borne out with, like I say, if you look at the facts and figures, I think you'll look and find that there's a lot of games where we scored late goals. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that that Lincoln game in particular is one where, you know, you, you you won that late on as well. And that seemed to yeah. almost be a bit of a turning point as well, did that one, Dave? Yeah, I mean, we, well, Lincoln were up there with us at the time. It was, uh, it was, it was tight. And uh, they had a good side, to be fair. Um, and we knew it would be a tough game. But it, we just never, honestly, at home, we never came out and thought anybody would beat us. I don't know why that instilled in us right from early doors, but it did. We just used to think, right, oh, we'll win. We'll win that game, and then we've got the next one to come. And that's how we went on. And Mick just sort of encouraged that sort of attitude. 101 goals, Dave. You know, you've got you've got 10 of them that season. It's just phenomenal, yeah. isn't it? You went into that Hartlepool game. It was a Hartlepool game, wasn't it? Um, needing yeah. to... Yeah, Mick had left to... me out for that one. Thanks for reminding me about that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know... <laughs> But obviously, uh, we change the game. Change the game as well, though, Dave. We'll change the game. Yeah, we won nil down when I came on at half time. I only came on because somebody were injured. I can't remember who we were injured. And uh, but the th- Mick, Mick always used to instill in us about you know if you score in their goal and they don't score in yours, then you've won the game. So we were, you know, people say we were free flowing. It was free flowing because we had, we we like to get it forward early and support it quickly and get plenty of crosses in the box and stuff like that. I mean, that's probably why I made a living because uh, I don't think I went past too many full-backs in all fairness, but I'd just used to get it and, and bend it round them and put it in the box. And uh, we scored no end of goals. And, we had, we, and the other thing that we spent hours and hours and hours on were free kicks, doing free kicks around the box. We had a couple of routines around the box and... We must have scored 20 goals that season from free kicks quite easily. I would say the final whistle video is brilliant and, and you're on it as well, Dave. And the, the one that sticks out is the uh, Mally Brown cross, isn't it? And the, the two strikers run across each other and Ian Robbins scores yeah. with the head. And that was, yeah. that's one that, that, was, that, that sticks was, out. That's off the training ground, that. I mean, that's talking on a Thursday afternoon at four o'clock and Mick turning around and saying, no, that's not good enough. Let's do it again. <laughs> Set it up again, and then we'd do it again. And again, Mally did it from the right, I did it from the left. And it was a, it was a, it's like you said, it was just a crossover run with the two strikers. But Robbo used to block off, or Fletch used to block off Robbo's defender, and that'd get Robbo in at the near post. And I mean, years after that, you still see it used now. It's, it's you know, but then people hadn't seen it. So. We were, it were, we, like I said, we must have scored 20 goals that season from that free kick. Tell about, okay, tell us about the, the celebrations then, Dave. It's, you know, you, Huddersfield Town, a champion team. That this, this is the last time Huddersfield Town were a champion team as well. Yeah. We've not won a league, have we, since, you know, so you're still one of the last champions of, of you know, from Huddersfield Town, which is, which is incredible, really. Um, tell us about the celebrations, you know, the town hall, there's the things at the town hall, there's, you know, uh, I don't know if you did. I'm talking about straight after the game. You know, straight after the game, you know, everybody's going mad in the dressing room. And, and but I don't know, for me, it was more a case of, well, that's that job done. We've got that bit done, you know. And you always, as a player, you should anyway, you should want to play at the highest level you can play. And I wanted to play third division. So my first worry straight after the game was, 
I wonder if he'll keep me in the side playing in the third division. That was my first thought. But the, the, I mean, the celebrations and that after it were unbelievable. You know, I mean, it was ridiculous. And I don't know what it is, but I, I, it's like Huddersfield people seem to love that team. You know, I think uh, more than any other teams that, you know, since, I think they'll look probably apart from the Premier League side that went up. But I think that people sort of uh, identify with that team, we just feel. There's, there's some things you're saying, actually, Dave, which kind of ring true a little bit of, of that 16-17 team. You, you mentioned, you know, pressing early from the front, which is what the yeah. David Wagner team did as well. And, you know, the hard work, the fitness, and it, it, they do sort of sound parallel. Um, and the David Wagner team was very much, you know, get the ball early and, and you know, get the ball early and hold it up in certain areas and then, yeah. you know, f- create overlap. So there there are parallels. And I think it is in the Huddersfield Town fan DNA to enjoy hardworking teams and, you know, teams that sort of run run a lot and, you know, play like you do. Well, did. well Nick, Nick always used to say to us, you know, if you run around, try your hardest, tackle a few people, which weren't my favourite, but I've got to be honest. <laughs> You know, and get stuck into it, then they'll, you know, they'll forgive you a lot, and they did. And to be fair, we gave them what they wanted. You know, most of most of the game was either spent in the opposition's box or in our box. There weren't a lot went on in between. To be fair, you know, and what did were quite brutal, to be honest. So, uh, no, I think, like you say, you're probably right. The two teams probably do mirror each other a little bit in respect of the fact that they were both very, very fit and very, very organised. I think the comparisons as well. Um, I remember Mick Buxton at, a, at one of the reunions. It was around the time when Wagner, we hadn't gone up yet. I think it was the year before Wagner had just come in. And we were talking about all this pressing football. And Buxton said, it's no different to what we did 35 years ago. It isn't. It isn't. You know, I mean, it makes me laugh. And I've, I've had chats with Mick Laverick about this and other Mick Buxton and Keith Amber. And we, you know, the Jurgen Klopp saying, "Oh well, we've got a new style. We play, we press early, and this that." And I'm thinking, "No, you, you haven't invented that one, pal. That were invented thirty odd years ago, and uh, we were at Huddersfield Town, and it were it was we had a, a system that worked for us with the players that we had. So you know, I mean, it, it did work well for us. Yeah, I, would, I was just going to say as well. I think when you say about how a lot of the fans seem to love that team. I think it's because you were successful and a lot of fans started watching around that time as you got, you know, a lot of people's first season of a certain age will be 79, 80 and they've got a massive aff- affinity anyway. But And I think as well, you're one of the most successful town sides ever. Well, I've, um, well lately I've become very friendly with a lad called Andy Shooter. I think you know Andy, don't you? Yeah, and, I spoke to uh, Andy, uh, I was talking to Andy the other day, and he says, well, I don't remember anything before 1979, uh, 80s, because I, I weren't going. I, said, I, I started going when I was there. And, and I said to him, I said, well, what, what were the differences? No, just everybody were winning games, you know. And to be fair, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, I remember I made my debut against Northampton Town at home, and there were 1,400 fans there. Right, my last game I played, I can't remember who it was again. Uh, well, in the last season I played at Huddersfield, uh, there were 24,000 there against Man City, you know. So I, I did see it from bottom to top, if you like. They so you say, yeah, you've seen us at our best and worst almost, haven't you? There, in, in that yeah, respect, yeah, unfortunately. And- 
the, yeah. the next I guess say the next season after that there's there's one particular game which is I I would personally say is probably one of maybe one of the highlights of your career and the 8081 season is is famed for the big Huddersfield Town versus Barnsley fixture you know there's 28901 oh, yeah. yeah. at Leeds Road which is still you know yeah. that attendance has been beaten since I think George Bins had turned the uh, turnstiles off <laughs> I think we were more than that in. Yeah. The um, I can say that's the the biggest since we played Man United in the in the top flight, yeah. and it's not not been yeah. beaten since. It's in, you know incredibly huge, and you can see the the crowd on the the, the video as well, and it's it, it's unbelievable. Just talk us through playing at Leeds Road because I've I've been to Leeds Road when I was young, and seven eight thousand seemed like a really good atmosphere yeah. there. I can't imagine what twenty eight thousand must have been like. Well, I mean, it's what you play for, isn't it? You play for big games. And to be honest, uh, like I said, 28,000. And when they say the air stands up on the back of your neck, I can assure you, it really does. Uh, I can remember running out and the and the noise was unbelievable. It was deafening. You couldn't speak to each other because it was just deafening. And to be honest, I don't think the noise levels dropped hardly any way through the game. Um, but we knew it was going to be an hard game against them because they'd got a really good side at the time. And uh, but we didn't want them to win on our patch anyway. That were that were certain. Yeah, and obviously there's a a certain someone. There's you know um, it's Terry Austin, isn't it? That goes through one on one with the keeper, and the ball comes yeah. up. And you're uh, you're on the other side, aren't you? Coming in from the right hand side there. No, what I've done, we've done, we've been doing this in training and stuff like that. And you always used to say to me, you know, you don't have to stay on the wing; you can come across the face and and you know get balls there. And I'd made a run, to, and it took uh, Joe Joyce, their fullback, with me across the box. And I know Terry just span off the back of me, and I think it's Brian Stanton plays it through, and he's in on goal. And, and Terry hit it, and I can remember it spinning up, and I thought, to be honest, it was going to go over me, and, and I was going to miss it. But somehow I just managed to get a touch on it. But I think it was more the spin on the ball that took it in. I don't think it was my header. I think it was more the spin on the ball that took it in. And uh, it just crept over the line. Um, but I wasn't going to argue with it. I, you know, I don't care how they go in. It's a goal's a goal. And in that game, it was an important goal for us. The noise must have been incredible. Because you oh, see them all going mad in yeah. the cow shed as well. It's yeah. absolutely phenomenal. And Town were, were in the top three, weren't they, until April yeah. that season, and, and sadly just dropped out with with a couple yeah. of games with a couple of games left. But it's it's another fantastic season, isn't it, David? Records broken again, and yeah, again, well, it's it's good platform for the future again. Well, I mean, we we finished that season really disappointed because I think I think we're only one place or two places below promotion, and uh, we were disappointed with that, and we. Our thoughts were the following season, right? We'll, you know, we'll get on and 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 hopefully get promoted that season. But that unfortunately isn't what happened at the time. So, no, I think that's the first first time maybe Mick Buxton's probably had some adversity. What you would probably say at Huddersfield. I think it was down to the injury list, wasn't it? They yeah, yeah, quite lots a lot of, of injuries. injuries that season. I mean, it was catastrophic at times. Um, but you know. It, <laughs> You, you, you can't legislate for that, you know, and, and yeah, Mick, I think that's the first time the fans thought Mick might be fallible, but he wasn't because he knew what he was doing. And we did flirt a little bit with relegation for, for a while, but we pulled round and got out of it. And 
we always knew that the following season we'd be back stronger. So, you know, it was it was a difficult season, I'll be honest. It wasn't the pleasant the pleasant season, but to be fair, uh, I think that galvanised us a little bit more for the following season. Mm. And obviously, sadly, Steve, that's the season Steve Kindon's playing career finished, isn't it, with, yeah. with a, an injury? Yeah. And Steve was... You know, a top man, isn't he? And uh, he was a great player. Um, but the way Mick, Bil- Mick, Mick Buxton has rebuilt that team, though, all of a sudden you're, you're up and running again. There's the likes of David Burke now behind you, and there's uh, really? Mike Lillis yeah. has come through. Mike Lillis looked a, a phenomenal player at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Colin Russell as well. And he, he's done it again, hasn't he? Mick Buxton is, you know, we, sit, we everyone sings his praises. But when you look back through, some of the, the stuff he did seems incredible when you look back. You know, Mick spent 120 grand on Terry Austin and probably wasn't his best signing. Colin Russell, I think he spent about 50 grand on or something like that and came in and was phenomenal. Fantastic. Um, but that team was, it was a good all-round team as well. It, it, I think it's probably we played a little bit more football that season, but it, it was a strong team, very strong team, physically. You know, with the likes of Mark Lillis and people like that, you know, you, you, you're not going to have many games where you're under the cosh or, you know, you, you, you're you losing out in the battles. And we, we did win the battles, not necessarily me, but the other big ones. Hmm. Right. November comes around that season and there's one particular game, you know, it's the Milk Cup, isn't it? And yeah. Outcome Huddersfield Town away at Leeds United, and this is Leeds United have done some great things, haven't they? In the seventies, and the Huddersfield yeah. have probably been in the shadow a little bit, haven't they? In that recent time, where, where we but Huddersfield are now sort of on the way back up, and ten thousand Huddersfield Huddersfield fans make the short journey, and they're all in the the Lawfields Lane end, apart from Andy Shooter, who apparently was in the South Stand because his mum's yeah, yeah. safe for him. Yeah, <laughs> And um, you know, they've absolutely packed it out and they're not given much of a chance by anyone, were they really? Uh, I think Frank Worthington was playing for Leeds that game, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, and, they, had um, good, they had a good side out at the time. Yeah. They were, well, obviously they were first division and we were third division. And I don't think many people gave as much of a chance at all. I mean, I think it was Trevor Cherry. Uh, I can't remember who the two centre-hours were. Um, like I say, I'm terrible at remembering th- games and things like that. But I know they were a strong side. And uh, we went there, really. It was, if you like, I suppose it were a free hit for us. You know, because if we lost, everybody would say, oh, well, you know, they've lost to a first division team, so fair enough. You know, as long as we didn't get spanked. And we, I, think it, I think we, when the game set off, I always remember we were on top for long periods in the first half, and it were quite... It weren't as intimidating or as, as difficult as I thought it'd be. Uh, obviously, they had a few opportunities. We had, I should have scored in the first 10 minutes, to be honest. The people don't remember that, thank God. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Mark Lewis got away down the right and crossed it. And I'm coming in, uh, in, into the six-yard box. And Trevor Cherry, to be fair, has got his arm across me. And Jesus Christ, I, it, I just couldn't get anywhere near the ball. He, he just strong-armed me off the ball, and I thought, oh, Christ, you know, that I should have scored, and I should, I should have just slid it in, really. And then a couple of times, Mark had get, kept getting away down the right-hand side, and at, at half-time, when we were coming off, I said to Mark, I said, look, if, if you get away down the right-hand side, I said, I'll just make the back post. 
clip it over the clip it beyond the the, the, the near post and put it into the back post, and I'll, I'll try and make my run in there. And if uh, I can remember it building up and the build up to it, and I remember Mark absolutely destroying. I can't remember his name. The centre half, big laugh, and. Uh, it's clipped into the back pot, and I've seen it, and I'm I'm through. Trevor Cherry's got sucked to it underneath it, and I'm I'm in on goal, and then I just saw Terry Connor's boot trying to take my head off, and then uh, so I just headed it, and it, it went in like a bullet to be fair. So, and that that was unbelievable. I mean, that's that was fan, that were a fantastic moment for me, and for the club, I think. So, yeah, I say the the celebrations. We've seen seen the video, of the celebrations. They're they're all going oh, wild mad. out there across yeah, the low fields, and yeah. it's 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 brilliant, isn't it? It's one of those things where I'm sure me and Lee, you know, if we had a tra- time machine, we'd love to go back, wouldn't we, and, and be involved oh, with that? Yeah. It'd be fantastic to see to see yeah. that. But you know that it's things like that, isn't it, Dave? Which make town fans like us fall in, you know, fall in love with the teams because you've not kind of gone, you know, this is a Division 1 team, there's nothing to lose, we can just sort of turn up and play. You've, you've gone there and and I think David Wagner com- coined that Terrier spirit thing, don't they, where it's yeah. all about punching upwards, really. And yeah. you've kind of gone there and you've gone, do you know what, you might be first division, but we're going to stick it to you and we're going to... We're and gonna and to be fair, you, you spot on in that. We didn't go there with any sort of fear of them at all. And even though, you know, probably... Eight out of the eleven were full internationals or something like that. You know, at the end of the day, we we didn't go out on the pitch thinking, well, we're lucky to be here. We went out there thinking, right, we're going to stuff it up you now. It's it's your turn to get it. So I, I must admit, and Mick were like that all the time. He used, you know, it's eleven v eleven. The eleven that do best on the day will win the game. Absolutely, and uh, you know, and I think one of the things which I remember from that time, Davies, there was a song, wasn't there, that was uh, sung quite loudly and proudly for quite a number of years um, about who put the ball in, in somebody's no, net. Davy <laughs> David yeah. Cowling did. And that's yeah. that was my first introduction yeah. to you as when I was a kid going to Leeds Road was some fan singing who put the ball in. I went back, I went back to, to, uh, to ground to Huddersfield, uh, I think it was two seasons ago. And I think it was, Le- it was the Leeds game I'd gone to. And I went on the pitch at half time. And to believe it or not, they're still singing it now. Yeah. You know, when I come out on the pitch, they were still singing it. And I thought, Jesus Christ, it's 30 odd years ago. You know, That's how it. did they remember? There must be some old blokes in that stand. So we don't forget, we don't forget the heroes, do we, at Huddersfield Town? Um, that's no. one thing. That's one thing for sure. But um that 82-83 season is, is another fantastic one. Again, from from the video, you know, what you said about Huddersfield playing some some good football and there's, there's really good football on, on the yeah, final whistle yeah. video as well and the one that it doesn't capture though unfortunately is the Newport game which is another great uh, moment for you isn't it and, and do you know there and, was? Andy tells me that the game wasn't the best against Newport and then there was like one moment of magic where and it was a big crowd yeah, against yeah, 16 I'll be honest with you. Yeah. yeah I'll be honest with you uh, I think Aldridge played in it and he missed an open goal after about 10 minutes and we should have been 2 0 down at half time, and we, we hadn't played well at all. In fact, we're bloody awful, to put it bluntly. But uh, second half, we come out, and it was sort of a. They had to beat us. We, you know, we wanted to beat them, but we knew that if we got a draw, it put us, we were still favourites for everything. But then I, can, I just remember Mally getting away down the right hand side, and he crossed it. And as an. And, and, 
and this is quite I'll probably bore people to death with this, but it was it was difficult for me because it came sort of in between both my feet. Right? And my right foot, as you know, were a waste of time. We could have had a caster put on there, it'd been all right. And I had to hit it with the outside of my left foot, but the only way I could keep it down was to lean back, believe it or not. So I was leaning back when I hit it, and that's why the pictures of me I look like I'm about to fall over. But it wasn't. It was how I had to change my body shape, if you like, to, to get the ball. And I always remember it flying past Kendall, the keeper. And I, I thought, bloody hell, it's gone in. You know, and then that again was just unbelievable. The, the, the feeling from that was fantastic. Well, you can't explain it. It's, it's uh, you couldn't let anybody. I don't think anybody could explain that. And that was it, wasn't it? Huddersfield Town of have almost almost continued the journey. When you know, during the seventies, they dropped from Division One to Division yeah. Four, and now they've gone from Division Four to Division Two. And you know, there's just one more big step to take. But it, it looks like the second. Division was was tough. You had some good sides in there. You had Leeds, obviously, Derby, Sunderland, yeah, yeah. And, and all Chelsea. this. And but Town seemed to do really well. Just looking at these, because it's just before I started going to watch as a kid. Is this and a lot of the time they look like you're in the top six at this you know, until the new yeah, year, and then just sort of faded yeah. away a bit. But it yeah. looks like you we held really, your own more than held your own for a lot of it. And I think if you spoke to Mick, I think Mick would. I mean, I had a, I had a conversation with Mick years ago about this. And uh, I think people sussed us out a little bit. I'd have to say that. I think, you know, they sussed out what we did. Even though we are altered how we played a little bit, I think teams sussed us out. And obviously, the higher you go, you play. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It gets better players and it's more difficult. To, you know, you don't get as many opportunities. But I think we competed for a club our size. And the type that you know, and the financial restrictions that Mick had at the time. I mean, you look back and you've got to say it was unbelievable what he did with that with those teams. You know, the teams didn't sort of break up and move, bring in a brand new team. It sort of evolved as it went along. And uh, like I was fortunate enough to play in all the games that he was manager. Well, in ninety nine point nine percent of them anyway. And I just thought Mick was. Now we, uh, I can understand why Sunderland, when he eventually went to Sunderland, wanted him. But I thought Mick would have left and probably you know, ended up with a bigger job. And I'm sure he, he must have had opportunities to do that. But uh, I think you have to pin a lot of it, like I said, on Mick. And, and John Hazelden as well. And the backroom staff, Jimmy Robson and Steve Smith. I mean, the work they did was, was frightening. 
absolutely frightening. And but I think to be fair, like I say, you, you, uh, uh, people ask me about managers and stuff like that, and Mick Buxton was light years ahead of his time. Absolutely light years ahead of his time in in the way he looked at football. But you know that's life. Yeah, he just he, honestly, he came back to Huddersfield, didn't he, Lee? When I, yeah. I was, I think I sat in Leeds Road and uh, Ian Ross was manager and he came back as the assistant. I think it was 92 93, wasn't it? Well, we had about 12 and it, points adrift. Yeah, and, and we ended up something like 14th, yeah. 15th. It was, yeah. it was incredible, the re, the results and I think, immediate as well. At the, last, at, at the last 16 games, I think they won about 13. But yeah. having, having won yeah. something like four in the first 30, we're unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like I say, I've, I've kept in touch with Mick all the time. I mean, I've been remiss in last year. I've hardly spoken to him. But um, to be fair, I, I'd spoken to him previously about that. And he, he, he said he, the team were good enough. It just needed organising, you know, and it needed a, some sort of shape and some sort of discipline. Very much like what it did with us. You know, I think, it's, I think there's, if you look at them, both, both teams have probably ended up playing exactly the same way. But Smith Books and always used to say to me, the team he had in the fourth division would have beaten any of the other teams he had. That's always been his thought. Interesting, that because that second division team had some players, didn't it? I was looking, oh, looking yeah. through the players that, you know, Joey yeah. Jones and Duncan Shearer, Terry Curran. And I thought what was quite interesting was it was almost a, like a mini West Yorkshire league in there. You had decent a decent Bradford City at that time, yeah, which is unusual so, for Bradford yeah. City. But they yeah. were quite decent at the time. Leeds were in there. And yeah. it was it must have, you must have had some quite good some quite good games then because it, it seemed to be like one win one defeat you know you saw town sort of more than held their own against two decent teams there as well. Like you say, I mean we had some of the points. I mean there were Man City, Chelsea, teams like that in those leagues. And again, we going. I always remember we played at Man City and they were going for promotion. And uh, Paul Power, after the game, we beat them 1-0. And Paul Power put a comment in saying along the lines of, well, if we can't beat Huddersfield Town, we don't deserve to get up. And I thought, well, how disrespectful is that? We absolutely bossed the game. We played better football than them, than them you know. And then they did come and spank us something like 3-0 at our place later on in the season, man, but we'll forget about that bit. But no, I, I just found it quite disrespectful, that. You know, we were footballers the same as he is. And we could do the same things he could do. And, it, and obviously, whether it was just the fact that it, you know, it upset him because it knocked him back in promotion, I don't know. But I thought it was, I thought it was a very poor comment to that. Yeah, something's never changed at the league. We still get comments like that now, don't we? Little well, old Huddersfield and that. It never changes. It's never. The problem is, little old Huddersfield <laughs> at that time could bite, and it did yeah, bite, oh, and we did oh, bite people. Love it. Um, so we're moving on now to sort of 1986, 87. And I think town maybe, like you say, have been swimming against the tide financially a little bit, yeah. having to sort of sell and then replace, sell, replace. And it's, it's, it's tiring that, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And John, John Hazelden left as a coach as well. Um, and then Mick Buxton, unfortunately, town park company with him at, at Christmas, um, which I think, I've always heard was, you know, everyone was kind of a little bit heartbroken by that. And I always, even though they were sort of at the bottom end, they always felt it was maybe a bit, a bit harsh. I remember I'd known Mick. I'd known Mick. I was 16 when I first met Mick. And he'd been like uh, my mentor for all those years. And 
I'll be honest. I, I'll, I'll be truthful with you. I, I, I were absolutely disgusted with the club that was sacked him, and especially at that time. But we always felt as players that, uh, and I remember Joey Jones saying, "Well, we won't go down. We, we, you know, we're not going to go down. So what's what's the point?" But there'd been a change in the boardroom at the time, uh, you know, and Keith Wongbottom, I think, had stepped down, and there were another chairman in. Um, and I just felt it was very, it was, it was very unhuddersfield like how, how it happened and and who, and how it was done. I mean, we were we were we were in we were in the relegation fight, but we were hovering above it. If you understand what I mean, and and everybody was confident we'd get out of it uh, with Mick. Um, and when he went. I think it ripped the it ripped the heart out of the club, to be honest, for a long time. I don't think I don't think Huddersfield Town recovered from him leaving for a long time. Um, but you know, I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I've known Mick a long time, and I think is is he, he was an out well, he was an outstanding manager that you can't deny that. But no, I think uh, uh, you know, uh, it was it was the wrong decision to make at the time by people. I think didn't have the experience to make those decisions that might be quite controversial i don't know no i don't i don't think so i think when someone new comes in they, they tend to try and shake things up and show who's boss don't they and things like that and it's not always for well, the best you, you mean, see that when, in all walks don't you and, yeah when when keith longbottom was was chairman we never saw keith at, at all uh you'd see him on a match day come in and say well done lads and that a bit you know he got thrown in the bath at Hereford when we got promoted there, when we won that game there, in his suit and everything, which I don't think he were too keen on. Um, but then we had a, you know, a change of a chairman, and from what I understand, there was a bit of interference in uh, in uh, what what happened day to day, and I don't think that suited Mick at all. Mick's his own man; he makes his own decisions, and I think he likes it that way. Mick was best when he was in charge of everything, and that's yeah. that's how that's I think that's how he's always been. And replacing Mick was a man that I I got to know about ten years ago, and he's he's an absolutely lovely man, uh, Steve, Smith, Steve Smith, wasn't he? Absolute one of the nicest gentleman. one of the nicest people I've ever met. Honestly, you are a nice man. person than Steve Smith, you know. And we had his run-ins, me and Steve, when he was manager. We had his run-ins a couple of times, but. I tell you, I have so much respect for him. It's uh, it was an uh, unbelievable fella. Such uh, I've never known anybody, no no person I've met has ever got a bad word to say about. Him. So you know, uh, he's a fantastic man. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I, around about ten years ago, I used to work for Towns Academy as a as a scout. Um, yeah. And Steve Smith came, and and he was working with a couple of them. I used to get to go around to these different um, galas with with Steve Smith and. Yeah. It was just just to be in his presence and just be able to listen yeah. to him chatting about players, just unbelievable. Cause such a, yeah. a lovely man, and then his yeah. thoughts on things that, and you were like, "Yeah, I never really saw that. That's really interesting." He was yeah. a very very clever guy, very, very knowledgeable, guy. very yeah, knowledgeable. absolutely great guy. And he came yeah. in with Matt Lillis, and that, they were a great combo. And and then moving on, Steve was was replaced, wasn't he? Um, by Malcolm McDonald in uh, the next season. And this is kind of your last season as well, isn't it? And I've seen the quotes from Malcolm McDonald. I've heard things from people who were there. My my uncle um, 
wasn't much of a fan, shall we say. And, you know, there's quotes of him saying, I'm going to get Brazilians to play for Huddersfield Town and stuff. And then later things come out where you sympathise with, with you know, he's um, he's got issues, hasn't he? And with uh, an injury, which has led to this and that. Um, but this is your last season here, isn't it? And it's, I yeah. don't know if it's, it seemed like a difficult season for everyone involved at the club did this. Well, my season, what had happened is Steve Smith had taken over as manager. I think there was pressure above him for him not to play me. Um, I think that probably comes down to an, an incident between me and the chairman, but I, I don't really want to go into that one. And uh, I think there was pressure on Steve to leave me out, and he did. He left me out uh, for about five or six games, and it didn't go very well for me, and he brought me back. And I remember, we, I think, I can't remember who we played, but we won, and we, we, we went on about a three or four-game run, and I was back in the side. Then all of a sudden, I'm out of the side again, and. Uh, I'm thinking, well, you know, fair enough. You know, that's his decision. Then Steve gets that. Well, I was offered a new contract, believe it or not. And uh, at that time, I'd just been... uh, I'll tell you the story from the beginning. (coughs) I was... I'd finished training. I'd finished training. I I was on... I'd gone to my mates up in town. A lad called Bob Allen. He'd got a garage up in town. My car were up there being serviced. And I got a phone call from the club at Bob's and uh, saying that I had to go back to the club straight away. The manager wanted to see me. And I thought it was somebody taking the mickey. I've got to be honest. So I said, I all right, you know, never even thought about it. Then I thought, well, I better go down and check. So I went down and uh, the secretary at the time said, oh, Steve wants to see you. And I went into Steve's office and he said, oh, John Bond from Birmingham wants to talk to you. He wants you to go down tomorrow and have a conversation. So I said, yeah, very much. He says, do you want to go? I said, well, what's the deal? He says, well, we're taking somebody else. I says, well, the deal's already done then, isn't it? So what are you asking me for? You know, I might as well go. So I went. I went to Birmingham, met with John Bond. Uh, that were an eye-opener in its, in its own right. Uh, I agreed everything at Birmingham. I uh, was ready to sign. And John Bond phoned Steve, and the deal with the other lad had fallen through. And they don't, well, the kid hadn't arrived at 11 o'clock, and at quarter past 11, when John Bond rang to see what were happening, he'd left. So that tells you how well the, the conversation had gone with, with Huddersfield, with the lad. And uh, to, to put it bluntly, and you know, I apologize if I offend anybody, John Bond said, They're just taking the piss out of you. Uh, they've no intention of letting you go. So John Bond asked him what sort of fee it would take to buy me uh, instead of doing a swap deal. And at the time, I think there was an embargo on you couldn't spend more than 40 grand or something like that on players. And he asked for 60 grand. And John Bond just said, have you woke up this morning and dreamt that figure? And uh, at that, uh, it was over and done. So I went, he said, go back to the club. He said, I'm being honest with you. I said, they've sent you on a wild goose chase. There's no intention of letting you go like that. So I was sent back. And that's when things started to get a little bit naughty, I'll be honest. I went back and spoke to Steve. And then Steve said, look, um, leave it with me. I'll talk to the chairman. I went back and saw Steve the following day. And he said, oh, the chairman says, we'll, we'll offer you a new contract. 
So I said, right. And he said, uh, it will be this, 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 and this. And, you know, and I said, right, fine, yeah, I'll take that. So that was supposed to be done and dusted that week. Comes to the Friday, no contract ready. Uh, I went to see George Benz. George, to be fair to him, said, look, David, he said, uh, I haven't been told what to do yet, so I'm waiting. And then uh, I went in to see Steve Smith again, and he went, well, it's not to do with me because I've just been sacked, and there's a new manager coming in. So that was that. And that was the start of things getting a little bit, let's say, naughty uh, with the club in May. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know for a fact that uh, the club had said I'd asked to leave, and I'll swear categorically now, never asked to leave the club, ever. Only once we met Buxton. Um, but that never really, I didn't really mean it. Um, but I never ever said I wanted to leave the club. Uh, I'd, I'd, in fact, I said, you know, I would have signed that contract and stayed. I wanted to finish my career at Huddersfield Town. Because I knew I only had two or three seasons left in me. And uh, then Malcolm McDonald arrived. And the story changes completely. Yeah, Lee, there's that a running joke, isn't there, with Huddersfield fans that everybody, every Huddersfield Town fan reckons that we're, they were at Main Road for the 10-1 against Man City. Yeah. The question is, Dave, I know you, you probably didn't you didn't play, did you? But were you there? Everyone else swears they were there. No, Man- I was, I'll tell you where I was. I was playing Scarborough uh, for Scunthorpe United. I went, to, I went to Scunthorpe United on loan. When Mick first went to Scunthorpe United, I went on loan for a month, but I tore my thigh just before I'd gone. And uh, I, I only played that one game, and I couldn't. I weren't fit for any of the rest of the rest of the months long. So I came back to Huddersfield and trained on my own uh, because I was informed that to train on my own. I think after four hundred. Listen, don't be afraid of asking me any question that you want to ask me. I'll, I'll be I'll be open and honest with you. And if I don't think any, I should tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm going to say the only thing I was going to say there is that you think after four hundred appearances and everything that you'd done for the club, they will treat you with a lot more respect. Really, um, and Matt, it seems sad to thing. me. Yeah, it's the one thing that since I've left, and even now it galls me a little bit. Now I think, well, you know, there were players who got looked after a lot better than me when they finished. You know, and I'd, I'd been there, there were 1,400, like I said, when I played my first game and the 24,000 that season when I finished. You know, and I, I think I'd, I'd given my bit to the club and I thought I deserved better than what I got. I mean, the Malcolm McDonald episode with me is, well, I, well, to, I'll tell you now, the PFA got involved and everything. It was, it got quite ridiculous, real. I mean, uh, I'd get a, I'd, I'd got, when, I, when Malcolm came in, and th- this is probably no detriment to Malcolm, and I, I don't blame him at all for it. He'd probably been told what the situation was. But don't forget, for eight, nine solid years, I'd been a first-team regular. And uh, Malcolm came in, uh, did his speech, went training, uh, and I go down to the training ground. Well, a list goes up on the board who's training with Malcolm McDonald and who's training with the kids. And I, I didn't even look at the board, to be honest. I thought, well, I'll, I'm with the first team squad. So, And then uh, one of the lads shouted across, Dave, you're, all, you're with the kids. What's going off? So I thought, I think, I think alarm bells started ringing in my head then. I knew there was a, a slight issue here. I don't think we'll put it that way. And I ended up training with the kids. Then it got to a point where 
he wouldn't let me train with any of the groups. I had to train good. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, training myself for running and stuff like that, and working with a physio, George McAllister. There were other things that happened that were quite unsavoury, um, and basically, I was, if you like, I was forced out of the club, um, and and that disappointed me after the, like I say, after the uh, efforts and that that I'd put in. I think I deserve slightly better than that, you know. And it's bothered me ever since that nobody from the clubs ever sort of said, you know, well, we we didn't realise that or we didn't know that, but people at the time knew. And, I think people at the time should have probably dealt with it differently. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's football, isn't it? That's all you can say. Mm. Who was that chairman, Lee? Was it Fielding? Was it the... Uh... Roger Fielding. Yeah, that was it. Well, if it makes you his feel... Man, better, his name is forever imprinted on my mind, Matt. Don't you worry. Yeah, well, put it this way, he won't be on the Cult Heroes series anyway, Dave, and, and you are. So there there we go. That's mm. that's one nil, one nil cowling on that one. I don't think he'll last <laughs> so... too long. I don't think he'll last too long. He weren't there that long, were he? I think he... Did Keith Longbottom come back? Was he, did he I'm come not back? sure. I think Keith did come back on the board. I don't know if he came back as chairman. I remember vaguely there were Longbottom out chances yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, well, yeah. this is the kind of fellow Keith Longbottom was. He actually rang me at home when he found out that I'd been sort of forced out. And he just apologised. He, he apologised for the club. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I wasn't there. I were out of the country at the time. He said, if I'd have known what was going off, I wouldn't have allowed it to happen. And he said, all I can do is apologise. And I just said to him, Keith, I said, it's not you. You know, you've been a gentleman with me all, all the time I've been there. And he was. He was a fantastic fella. And uh, uh, it was just that I think the people who came in and took over from Keith didn't really... Uh, how can I put this without getting sued? Didn't really know enough, I'll put it that way, to know what was needed at the club at the time. And uh, I didn't play at all under Malcolm McDonald at all. And Owen Hand, I always remember Owen Hand, when, when he took over, he'd been, he'd been the coach with uh, Malcolm. Uh, knowing Ann said to me, we, I, played, I played there in a reserve game for Scunny when I'd, when I'd finally gone to Scunny. And uh, Owen Ann said to me, he said, what, what was the problem with you and Malcolm? I said, I, I didn't have a problem with Malcolm. I said, but there were, I think there were other problems. He said, well, I used to ask him, you know, why, let's play Dave. You know, we need to put Dave Cowan in the side. And he'd just say he couldn't. So that was that. So, that, you know, you take from it what you, what you take from it. I mean, I don't know. Not good, but there you go. No, football, eh? It's uh, not the nicest business, is it? Yeah. Um, I'll just ask you one question. Just one thing that came into my head, Dave, was I remember uh, being quite young, so my recollection of the game isn't amazing, but Town played Scunthorpe in a friendly in about 1990. I remember Gordon Tucker was playing for Scunthorpe. I was just wondering if you played in that game. Would you have played around that, that time and in that game? No, I don't think I did. No. No, I left, I left Scunthorpe in 92, but I can't remember playing in a friendly against Huddersfield. Uh, I think it's when uh, that friendly, I think, was when Ify and Euro was on trial, Lee. So that was when, when he came in from Bradford University yeah. and stuff. But that's, that's a different different time. Just going back to Dave, because obviously you were, you were good um, because you were linked with Man United, Leeds, 
you know, bad players don't get linked with these clubs at all. So um, did anything ever come of that? Did it, Was it just talk or was there an opportunity? I, I always, well, I mean, at that period of time, clubs didn't have to tell you, you know, if there were any, any clubs in for you. So I never knew. The only one I knew about was Leicester City. Apparently, uh, Leicester had put in an offer for me and it had been turned down by the club. The only reason I knew was because Bernard Purdy, his best mate, was chief scout at, at Leicester and he'd, he'd, he'd run Bernard to ask what sort of ladder were. And obviously, Bernard had given me a, a glowing report because uh, apparently they put in a bid for me. But apart from that, no, I don't know of any others. I'd love to ask Mick one day. <laughs> um... Yeah, obviously everything went through. through He'll probably say nobody came in for you. You were lucky to be playing, never mind or else. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a couple of quick fire things. Any, any more from you, Lee, that you want to ask about um, the playing days? I would quite to, I would, I would quite like to ask um, what were the difference between how much Steve Smith sort of differed from Mick Buxton? Not very much, really. Um to be fair, Steve really just picked up the reins from Mick. And I remember the first game after Mick had got sacked, we played Blackburn and beat Blackburn 3-0 at Blackburn. And in all honesty, I don't think it would matter who were in charge of the team. That result was just going to happen. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, Steve was, how can I put it? Uh, very quiet, very quiet man, very humble. Um, and he, he, he didn't rant and rave. Uh, he, he just he'd talk to you. And that's, he was different in that way. Mick could lose it if he wanted to. And I mean, he could lose it. And, uh, but no, Mick, uh, Steve was, he didn't really change anything, uh, Lee, to be honest. He just sort of carried on what we were doing. Um, and and to be honest, like I said, I think it were I think really the the team was good enough that it were going to win games anyway, you know. But I think it was just fortunate for Steve that at that time we did pick up them wins in those games. Um, right, Dave. A little bit of I say quick fire, but I'm asking you one with like eleven answers. But um, your favourite Huddersfield Town goal? Uh, I'm going to say Leeds. Leeds. Uh, your favourite game? Newport. Your best Huddersfield Town 11, including yourself on the left? I would have to say Rankin, Brown, Sutton, Hanvey, Burke. Then I go Stanton, Hart, Laverick, obviously myself. And then up front, I would go with... I'd go with Fletcher and Robbins. So basically, it's the other, it's the other, well, the team apart from uh, Fred Robinson, but Berkey were an unbelievable player. Uh, fantastic. Absolutely well, fantastic player. David Burke's the one who had his leg broken. Is it, was it, it, Hop, yeah, was it Hopkins, Hopkins, was it? Were you yeah. in that game? Was, yeah, was, I was right the, next to it when it happened. There's the yeah. moment, isn't there, with Sam Allardyce where he, um, he struggles. Well, I was right next to Sam when he punched him <laughs> as well. <laughs> the, the story the story that I always got told was Sam sort of strode straight over just whacked him and then walked down the tunnel is that he just that walked off yeah referee didn't even I, I think well referee turned around to get his card out but Sam were already on his way off 
So, yeah, it's, um, uh, he's the hardest man I've ever seen in my life. Him, Sam Allardyce, frightening. He's, he's still he's still quite frightened now. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. mess with him for sure. Um, just about your life after Huddersfield Town, Dave. I obviously me doing little bits of scouting and whatnot. I found I found your sort of post uh, playing career quite interesting. I think I, I, I'm not sure everyone knows exactly what what you did, but you had a an, your own academy, didn't you? Which which you did with your son, yeah, uh, who who was a good player as well, wasn't he? Yeah, sorry. He was his a good son. player as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, my son was, yeah. But we were at Notts Forest. He got a really bad injury, which finished his career. So but he would have uh, been a better player than me, I'll put it that way. Um, no, when I finished playing, I took I, I took over the academy at Scunthorpe. Took me my, my coaching badges. I'm a UA for a licensed coach. Um, when I left Scunthorpe, I took over at Doncaster. We did really well there. I was academy director there. Then I went to Bury. I was asked to go to Bury, and when they were in the first division, and um, we did really well there. Uh, we got sort of a lot of players through, and uh, the, the the lads did really well. I enjoyed my time there. Then after that, I ended up going to Darlington. That were a, uh, that were when George Reynolds was chairman there, which is mm, a, another, yeah. that's another that's <laughs> another podcast on its own. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I say, I went from there, I, I went into education, uh, <laughs> set up academies for Darlington College, then I went to Nottingham. Then we set up his own uh, private academy. And But during all that time, I was scouting for clubs anyway. Um, I mean, I'm working for Fulham now. I mean, I've, I've applied three times for jobs at Huddersfield and never got a job. And believe it or not, the last time I went, uh, I don't know who the fellow was with Mark. He was some member of the club and I went as uh, for a, a scouts job and uh, the fellow didn't even know who I was so, was he a little was he small was it Ross Wilson Ross Wilson that's it yeah there you go yeah, he was, uh, yeah I, I worked at the club at that time Ross was yeah, uh, he didn't even know who I was and he said to he, me he didn't know I was either Dave so that's, well, <laughs> that's too, he just that's said to me he says why do you want the job I said well I played here for 13 years he went you what I said aye so I played here, and Mark was like, "Yeah, he has." So, but no, I I, I applied for the job when uh, Jerry was uh, academy director. I applied for the under 18s job, and then Trevor Cherry. Uh, I'd, I'd, well, somebody told me Trevor, Trevor Cherry wanted me to go in with the youth there at Huddersfield, uh, but nothing ever came of it. So. And that there, that's that's you know, I'd love to have gone back in some capacity uh, at the club. Shame. Um, so that that's interesting. Then there's one one final thing I have was you you did come back to Leeds Road, didn't you, for the last ever game at the yeah. stadium? And you know, the, yeah. I remember I was I think I was 12 at the time, and I just remember all these stars that I'd read about in my little book. There's a little blue and white book <laughs> that I used to have, and used to look through yeah. all the stats, the statistics, like a little geek like I am. And uh, I remember you all walking out. There's like Albert Nightingale, I think, was stealing the show, wasn't he? He played in the 50s. Yeah, he ran, he was yeah, running, running around. around yeah. Unbelievable. In his, in his suit. Yeah, that was that yeah. was unbelievable. That, that, that was a strange day, wasn't it? Because it was it was like a happy, sad day, wasn't it? Happy, it was, sad uh, day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I must admit, I could, you know, I've been to a few games at the new stadium, but I don't think the atmosphere is anywhere near the same as the old stadium. I think uh, in the old stadium, it was like on top of you. 
Yeah. You know, I think this one with, with the corners being open, I think, you know, it's not quite as intense. You know, uh, no, I, I must admit, I, I'm glad I played in the old stadium. I loved it because I used to stand in the cow shed. My uh, my mum's uncle used to take uh, take me when I was yeah. a kid, and we used to stand in the cow shed just to the left. There used to be some famous chants at the T boy in the car. They all used to give the T boy some stick right by the goal, <laughs> right. and um, he, I don't know why, but he always used to be the cow shed brunt of the joke. But he took it well, and it was back and forth. It was good fun. Uh, and I remember going on the pitch on the last game and just standing there and looking around. And yeah. one thing that I always thought was he used to go up the steps and then down. The pitch always used to look immaculate. It, it oh, was right. It's a wonderful Chapel. pitch. Yeah. What a, what a I, great mean, pitch, I loved Ray Chapel. One of the funniest men I've ever come across. Uh, but God, he loved that pitch. Oh, my God. You couldn't do anything, anything at all on it. Uh, if you went, if you just walked on it, it was there straight away. He must have had, a, he must have had closed circuit TV in his office. <laughs> I, I've got to be honest. God knows how he knew you were on it, but he was always there. So no, they were fantastic. They were really good groundsmen, right? Really yeah. good. Yeah, he went across the the new one, didn't he? And then yeah, because we, we used to more like yeah. him because we wanted it cut shorter. We would never cut it shorter. Mick used to no. tell him what, what what length he wanted it, and that were it. <laughs> Honestly, when when it was sunny, yeah, when it was sunny, Dave, it was it used to just ah fantastic. The sun used to hit down. It was yeah. it's one of the the best best pictures yeah, I've ever and seen. The crown on it was brilliant as well. Yeah, it was fantastic. I love that yeah. It was good, and the, there's the low, um, the low roofs, wasn't there? The cow shed yeah. the, and the terrace. They just kept the, everything on top. Yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the away end was open, so they didn't make any yeah. noise, and that was that was the, yeah, that exactly. was the great. Yeah, I love it. The Leeds fans did when they came that time. Bloody hell! <laughs> yeah, that was frightening. Great. That. Yeah, great, <laughs> great place, great place. Good yeah. memories of that. Good memories, but yeah, that 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 was uh, that was it, but. Um, Lee, have you got any th- any final uh, things that you want to add in? Yeah, sorry if you can't hear me, but you touched on the you sort of partnership with David Burke a little bit. How different was he to Fred Robinson, or the partnership between you and Fred, than you and David Burke? Well, to be fair, with Fred, uh, I think Fred would say himself if he got it, he used to get me. You know, with Burke. He could do it himself. Berkey was a very, uh, I mean, how on earth we got him on a free from Bolton, I haven't got a clue because it was pure quality from the moment he came in. And I think at that time we had, we had Phil Wilson from Bolton, Dave Burke and Paul Jones. All three of them were, you know, excellent players, top, top, top class players. But Berkey was one of them. You know, it, it, you didn't have to, I didn't have to talk to him. He'd be like overlap and underlap, and I'd just sit in for him. And it worked really well with us. Fred was more the Fred was a destroyer, and he like I was uh, if you like the player. Um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Fred knows what I mean by that. Fred were a totally different player altogether. Fred suited the period of time that he was there, and and that you know where. Uh, I mean, again, Fred was one of them that it, it, nothing faced Fred at all. Absolutely nothing. It, it, was, uh, it was fantastic because as a younger player, you need someone like Fred behind you because he talks you through games as well. You know, and it was, it was great to have. But Berkey, if you're talking about me saying who were the best of the two players, I'd have to say David Burke because I thought he was absolute pure quality. 
Uh, Dave, I think the last thing for me to say is just on, on behalf of us that do the podcast, and I'm sure a lot of Huddersfield Town fans as well who were around in sort of 70s and 80s, I just want to say thank you for everything that you did for Huddersfield Town. Uh, Huddersfield Town fans have long memories. You know, Andy rang me, Andy Shooter, you know, you mentioned earlier, rang me um, yesterday quite excited about this and he reeled off so many happy memories and it was so yeah. fun. I sat ta- talking to him for an hour. It was so fun listening to all these great memories that he had of, you know, that that period and involving you and, and Mick Books and the, the entire team. And I did say to him, the next time there's a reunion, I'm going to go and I'm going to make sure I actually go and listen and watch. It was so much fun. And, you know, it's been so much fun speaking to you as well, Dave. It's been great. I've really enjoyed this. And, you know, I'd like to thank Huddersfield Town for what they gave me as well. I mean, they gave me a career. So, you know, I mean, and the fans, to be honest, it was a cool reception when I first started. But towards the end of me, well, after a couple of seasons, uh, I think I'd showed them what I was worth. So uh, they were always very supportive, supportive of me. So I'd like to thank them as well. Brilliant. And the last thing for me to do is to, is to induct you into our Cult Heroes uh, series <laughs> at number seven. Uh, so you're in at number seven alongside um, Steve Kinden, who was number six. And it's it's my Excellent. pleasure to, to, to do that, Dave. Thank you very Excellent. much. For, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's been real fun. Um, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.